but the jingle and the random kind of juxtapose, it was maybe? just... That's maybe. the funny thing about ads is they live so brilliantly for a time. And if they're mm. really, really good, they might even last for a stupidly long amount of time. Like how many people know the, what is it? Hey, Marge, the reins are out. <laughs> and it's what like, is that one? That's oh, like it's McCain. about the peas, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Wow, that's stuff. old. But like that was just said so much when I was growing up. Everyone thought it was like the funniest thing. <laughs> it, it was pretty funny. Um, but like most ads, you just have like it's a seasonal joke, and then after that, you kind of like, mm. there's a dog dead in that TikTok, <laughs> and they're laughing and eating food. <laughs> like it just won't connect at all. They won't no, get it. it. Will not. Yeah, it will not. Mm. I mean, we've been we have been inundated with KFC ads. So they're many. They're getting. They're getting. <laughs> It's not even creative anymore. I don't <laughs> think yeah. it's creative. You're just waiting for the jingle to hit so you can dance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, I really like your... Um, yeah, so anyway, so I really like the whole idea about playfulness because, you know, that's one of the things that I think, uh, for me as well, has helped me to, over time, just, I guess, try and stay sane. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was just saying, I was saying to her, like, man, you need to, you need to watch co- comedy, and if you watch naughty comedy, watch naughty comedy. Just something to just makes you laugh so much mm. that you, it might even be stupid, <laughs> that you just go, okay, I think I can, I feel light about life now. So I think it comes from like the Jim Carrey quote about. Suspending people from their from their stress that that's what he gets to do. Like I want to mm. be able to suspend people from their I forget the exact wording um, to suspend people from their the worries of their life so that they might actually enjoy life a little bit. So yeah, I appreciate comedians. Um, it's it's awesome, it's awesome. And now comedy is like even more prevalent. Um, the best type of humor, British humor, I think. It's quippy, it is witty, so smart, it's amazing. Um, mm. But yeah, I think like even with the chats that we have, um, um, even the podcasts that we have, I don't think it's like you can have an <laughs> hour-long <laughs> serious chat. Like no way, it has yeah. not happened. We were in the middle of doing like a really serious podcast and <laughs> like yeah. my brain's going 100 miles an hour and I heard a goat I swear <laughs> to God, I heard it go in my head. And I just stop and go, what? Where's that goat coming from? <laughs> it's like, did you hear a goat? He's like, no. Bro, you've been hitting drugs. <laughs> you know, like, he just looked at me like, what are you talking about? I'm in the middle of this thought. I'm talking, and, just, and then I hear a goat. Like, where did that come from? Maybe that's just the Lord's way of going, right. okay, just chill out for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then we start. Um, but yeah, thanks for for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> any good advice you've received this year? <sighs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, fam. I am the wisest <laughs> man I know. <laughs> um, there was something. No, there was something someone said to me. Could be last year. If we have mm. to reach so far, <laughs> <laughs> stop. That's okay. I feel like I just haven't been in the headspace for it as well, and I, I probably haven't 
been able to latch onto it. I can think of stuff from years ago, but I can't, yeah, I actually can't think of anything. You haven't been in the headspace. Yeah, I think I've been too busy in the trenches than actually being on a mountaintop and kind of going, oh, yeah, I can see some stuff. Or someone else is up there, you know, showing me some stuff and giving me some advice. And Your trenches? Yeah. What are your trenches? Trenches being uh, feeling like I'm in a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Why long? Um, if you don't mind me asking. I'd say at least a few months now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I do appreciate those times where there is advice because it is those pivotal moments where you kind of go, that's a truth I need to hold on to. That's a truth that not only I hold, but it, it actually holds me, it carries me. Mm. Mm. Um, there was one from a while back where Dr. Larry Crabb was talking about it in a book and referring to a joy that exists even in suffering. It's a joy that's just, it's always there. But usually suffering we think of as something that annihilates other things. And he was making the point, well, actually, it can't annihilate this joy. And so I thought, oh, that's a wonderful thing to have. A, a really joy that is still there. Still there through suffering. Yeah. What kind of joy is that? That's a relational joy. Relational joy. It, yeah. A, a sense of meaning with... Um, with our maker. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And that's carried you? Oh, or yeah. Or you've held on to it, or both? Both, yeah. I mean, there are times where I'm foolish and I don't, <laughs> and, it, and it comes back you, to me. When you lose something? When I lose something. <laughs> 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 I can't find it and I lose my temper. But no, it's it's. I think it's usually more along the lines of I feel there's so many things going wrong with life. And there are particular things where it's not just uh, a sadness or a you know, momentary kind of passing of little control, but really like those devastating moments where you're like, oh, that's something, that's someone that's gone. Mm. And the grief sets in, the despair sets in, and the way in which you try to process that and how it brings up old wounds and all of that, all of that stuff. I think when there's a joy that, you know, shows up during those moments, it's kind of like waking up on a, on a winter's morning and hearing a bird singing out your window. It's like, oh, there's life out there. Yeah. And we need that, I think. I, I've definitely needed that, and I'm very grateful for that joy that's carried me through, even when I sometimes lose it. Yeah. That's awesome. And you have found that through your relationship with God and with people around you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have. I think it's something that did not originate in me. It's not something I crafted. It's not something that I've sustained. It's something that's been gifted to me. Mm. Yeah, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm... One of the things that I... And I guess maybe because probably my teenage years were spent here in a, in Australia, I've probably grown into and have now realised that 
Um, our culture is very much accustomed to comfort, or at least geared towards that, and to seek it. Yeah. Um, so pain, <coughs> and sometimes suffering, I guess there's a difference, um, is, it, it, it's been hard to process that. And then, well, I've learnt that it's hard to process that. That it's meant to be hard to process and to actually handle, you know, and to go through it. So, <coughs> uh, when you're talking about joy through suffering, um, you know, like that's one of the things that I've had to learn to become comfortable with as well. Because <laughs> like, um, one of the things I think that neuroscience teaches that your brain actually changes and transforms. Like if you have pain that's deep enough, it'll change your like your your uh, your brain and your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just like obviously you become more cynical and things like that. I think that's probably more like symptoms of the fact that there's been deep change that's happened um, inside of you. So, <coughs> um, you know, like trying to be joyful. Um, I guess the point I'm getting is trying to be joyful or having joy existing in the middle of suffering can seem foreign because from my experience and what I know and have observed is that the world we live in, and we all live, I guess, in the Western civilization world, um, the story is different. It's get away from it. As far away from it as possible. Um, you're in trenches, get on the mountaintop as soon as you can. Um, whatever you got to do. We're very determined to avoid pain. We're very, very determined to avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I just took drugs for my headache, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they were made. It's like. Yeah. But that, obviously, that's. Sell themselves. That's mm. me making a joke, but, yeah, you know, yeah. like. Yes. Um, it's funny, true. but there's a truth <coughs> to it, too, right? There is definitely a truth to it. It's like the only yeah. kind of industry on the planet, like uh, that and life insurance, that they don't have to do anything, really, particularly to sell mm. themselves. <laughs> we run into yeah. them. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it, that might be small, but it's indicative of a bigger thing out there, bigger um, concerns that's out there. But, mm. yeah, it's true. It's true. So, how to have joy in the middle of suffering, that's an easy one. Mm. It's not an easy one. And you kind of have to be vulnerable to actually <laughs> to actually admit that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, it doesn't make the suffering easier. Oh, not at all. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. No. yeah. I think more often than not, people kind of expect feelings to be singular. And more often, they're actually, really, when you look at them, they exist in clusters. What do you mean? Mm. I'm angry. So that's just that. I'm angry. This person did this, 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 and this. I'm focusing on that person. But when you kind of sit down and actually look at it for a little bit, and you're a little bit more honest and vulnerable... um, oh, I'm angry, this thing happened, but I'm angry, something's going on with me. What's that anger doing? Is it covering maybe a softer emotion underneath it, protecting that one? Am I actually maybe feeling angry and also scared? Am I feeling scared because this has hit something? This has hit something that's really important. Am I not connected with that scaredness and so I'm just thinking about the anger? 
And really, I'm not even thinking about the anger. I'm just acting on it because I'm focusing purely on that person. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot going on with our emotions. They're, they're tricky things, and they're really cool, and they, they cover us like our skin. Um, but in saying that, more often than not, there are certain emotions. So that kind of, we can we can get around. Go, oh, okay, anger, sadness, sure, okay. Well, sorry, scaredness, fear. But when we're talking about something like, say, suffering and joy, and go, oh, I can't touch. It's like a you know a three year old trying to yeah. We think about them as polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't let that touch. That'll that'll destroy. That won't work. Um, remember someone saying, you know, how can someone be so tender and so angry? And it's like, oh, you can actually be both of those things at the same time. In fact, that's actually kind of what it is to be human sometimes. Our feelings and how we express ourselves aren't always simple. They're, they're messy. They're complex. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not doing both of those things at the same time. And the more we learn about God and the way God's presented himself in the Bible. Oh, he's a moody guy. Yeah. He's not well, simple. He, 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 yeah. He's, that's one thing you not cannot simple. say about Yahweh. He's not simple. <laughs> yeah. Or else we'd turn him into a robot, a vending machine, press you know certain buttons in our prayer, and and mm. expect certain things in response, and get very angry if we didn't get those things, mm. because we would be so used to a vending machine God, but we don't have a vending machine God. We don't even have a vending machine family, let alone you know mm. other <laughs> people in our lives. Why would we expect that of him? Yeah. And if we do, then we don't have the real God. Is that is mm. that I'm I'm trying to. Um, Think through it. I I read. Uh, I've been reading um, John chapter two. Was Jesus at the wedding at Cana? Cana. I don't know how you pronounce that. Whatever. Anyway, so potato potato. He's the wedding. Um, he's the wine runs out. His mum realizes the wine runs out. Turns to him. Yo, the wine's run out. Jesus. He knows what he can do. Obviously. Um, and he says to her. Dear woman, New Living Translation, or woman, ESV. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, here you go. Um, let's not talk about that one. He says, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come. Um, and then she turns around to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. I'm thinking about that as you're talking. And you're thinking, you know, it's not a slot machine. So he, she's having this interaction. She doesn't necessarily get what she wants. In terms of response, or at least what we would pursue, because we're moved from that culture, doesn't necessarily get the response that she wants from from God and flesh, um, and yet she still goes ahead. And and so, like, there's this sometimes, like, you can read that and just go, like, what is going on? Mm. Like, he doesn't. And so, I wonder if that whole looking to to God as a, as a slot machine put this in, you get what you want, you know, maybe even a, like he's our bank account, you put in your card and you just withdraw. Um, whether or not that's a, like us trying to project our need for a perfect utopia environment on the inside, which is non-existent in any human, that we're trying to project that onto God because he holds the title God, therefore he ought to make that happen so that we feel like we've got control. Mm. So I think like emotions, when we 
kind of dive in that stuff and you dive in that pool, it's it's complex, it's messy, but it can also threaten to overwhelm your senses, the mm. reality, your reality, um, who you think you are, what you think is real, who you think God is, what you think your purpose is. Like it's it's pretty big. So I wonder if it's a projection mechanism. Here we go. This is not perfect, but if something outside of me is perfect, then maybe mm. um, I'll feel okay or I'll just stash these suckers away, these emotions, these pools of things. I don't know. What's your thoughts? It's a theory. I'm just trying to get through. We're obviously not experts, but... You ever heard of Terence Malick? Ooh, yeah, I've heard the name. Who is he? He's a filmmaker. What did he produce? Quite a few. His most recent was A Hidden Life, about a World War II um, dissident, essentially, someone, a Christian, who said that he would um, be in the German military at that time. Wait, German military? Yeah, yeah. True story. Very profound. Um, did Thin Red Line, Tree of Life, Song of Song. Oh, wow. Uh, Voyage Through Time. Knight's Cup. The heck am I doing? We've got a computer here. <laughs> then there's there's some old ones as well, like Badlands and... Oh, wow, okay. Um, We've got a... We got a thing. We got a thing, yeah. And something. Yeah, he he doesn't make movies very often. He's most celebrated is probably The Thin Red Line. Amazing Grace. He did that. Nature's Song. To the Wonder. To the Wonder. Good one. Every time he's read wind. He's probably the yeah. most theologically interested director in Hollywood. Mm. He gets he gets away with saying things at a spiritual level because he's very gifted in his films and making them quite profound mm. and beautiful. So the filming is exquisite. But his storytelling is a bit different because he doesn't use plot, he uses images to tell a story. So mm. instead of, you know, your normal movie will probably have maybe something like 30 to 50 scenes, his will have about 200 They'll just be lots of short ones. And so he has a way of telling stories. The reason why I bring him up is because, and he's a Christian, he's an interesting guy, um, doesn't ever take interviews or accept the awards that he wins either. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, he made a film called The Thin Red Line, I think back in 97, based off the Guadalcanal um, conflict in World War Two, And you've got this, it's based off a, book by James Joyce from that same name and the idea of you know how close it is to be near madness because you're mm. near so much death and violence yeah. um, and really uncertainty and when you were talking about overwhelm just a moment ago JL it re reminded me of that and also the projection what you were talking about and there's a line in that film there's many many really good lines in that film there was one that stayed with me and it said, we're all striving for salvation of our own. Through salvation of our own or for salvation of our own? We're all striving 
for a salvation of our own, uh, like, mm. um, like logs thrown from the fire. They're all trying to make it through the war. And they're also trying to make meaning of what their role is in the war. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy says to another, you know, I kill someone, normally I'd go away for life here. I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it would be the worst thing possible. And here it's excusable. Another person says, you know, we're all just here because it's about property. The whole damn thing's about property. Um, you just got to try to survive. You got to make yourself an island. Another person says, you know, how you doing? Do you ever get lonely? And the, the soldier responds only around people. Mm. Mm, wow. It's a profound movie. It's, it's often looking at the stories and the meaning-making of the men in the company. Mm-hmm. Some are Christian and some are non-Christian. And the conversations between the religious and the atheists, I think, are quite profound and very vulnerable. And there's that line, and that line I think about how we're all striving for a salvation of our own. It's talking about how we get thwarted. We're trying to make a, a life that's going to be a good life, that's worth it. And whatever our plans are, well, it's like we're logs in the fire. We just fall out. Mm. We burn out, and our plans they they kind of get thrown out. Wow. But the doesn't stop us from projecting, wanting that utopia that you're talking about and almost demanding it and longing for it and trying to kind of just take any semblance of it that we can get. Yeah, wherever we can. Mm. It'd be quite a scary thing, I think, to be in wartime. I think about it often. In wartime? Yeah, to be a soldier in a conflict. Because you're near the precipice, you're near the, the edge. Yeah, I don't know if there's um I don't know if there is any or or that was even scratched thing about war veterans. Um the complexity of how much they have to kind of process through. I don't even think we've got capacity for that. Even though even though they're you know, that's been the reality for for humanity throughout history, these conflicts. Um war has been part of humanity since um, since the fall, and so, but the cruelty of it, um, and how much people have been, yeah. So it, I don't, I don't know how much we would be able to, to comprehend, um, or even be able to process one person's whole experience of war, ones have been in trenches, and then how they process that. Um, it's yeah, quite scary. Um, to think about. Um, Hey, well, I'm reminded of James <laughs> when he um, chapter four he talks about uh, why do you wage wars? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and that connections with the our desires. You war and wage because you do not have, and you don't ask God. But when you ask, <laughs> you ask for that. You can spend it on your own, um, on your own desires, and um, on your selfish desires and so um there's that connection isn't there of like um the war outside of ourselves and maybe it's a fight for control but then sometimes you know even the war within which we've been thrust into trying to make meaning of that as well um 
when you're trying to fight through for well fight for your own salvation um you still have to rely on yourself to make meaning of whatever it is that you're experiencing um that's a lot to put in the human i think can't save ourselves unless it's my belief and it's it's about like what what that breaks down into actually meaning what what is it to be saved what is it to have a salvation or a a life that is worth it meaningful fulfilled well yeah that that's a great question i think that we living in australia i don't know if it's helped me to to practically practice the truth and nuance of that um and maybe it's that poorer countries have a little bit more of an advantage over this because but that's not an excuse though to say that we cannot believe in Jesus just because we think like that's reducing God to I'm just trying to think like what we like give to him giving us what we need. And so because of taking care of the shelter, taking care of the uh, for for a lot of people their security um, income, those kinds of necessities. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about has been how easy it is to just reduce, um, to disconnect life from from God, to have purpose in Him because He defines it. Um, for life to have meaning outside of it, outside of God, and it's really easy to disconnect it because then. If we don't need God, and God, I guess, has um, in many spaces has been reduced to he will give you what you need. Well, if we take care of what we need, we could we become our own gods. In a sense, like there's a replacement there's a replacement principle that takes place of, oh, okay, then I'm God. I'm master of my own whatever, destiny, life. Um, and so, like, it's easy to reduce God to that. Mm. And then easy to reduce life to that. Mm. Um, isn't that isn't that something to reduce life to that? It's the conversation that we're having. It's it's about you know us thinking as Christians, but it's the same conversation that people that aren't Christian are having as well. What do you mean? They've got the same questions. You know, what is this life all about? Mm. Sure, they might have different answers, but they've got the same question. I think that's interesting. Mm. When you say just a moment ago, um, oh, I forget. It's <laughs> right, paraphrase. <laughs> I forget how to paraphrase. My my brain goes to mush sometimes. Did you think about a goat? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Would that have been ex- excused if I had? <laughs> but yeah, w- I, I think we're trying to figure out what a good life is. And and what this life um, really is, we're, we're trying to find things that are real. Mm. And I don't always think necessarily that the Christian is always right, and that the the non-Christian is always wrong. I think there's something in there where we we learn from each other because we're asking better questions with the help of each other. Mm-hmm. And it's also because a lot of the time. <laughs> 
you go back 200 years ago, everybody agreed on this truth doesn't exist inside of us. Yeah. So we've got to go look for it. All right, well, well, we could use some help. All right, let's band together and look for it then. Mm. Now it's like, ah, oh, it's all inside every single person. Okay, how does that work? I don't know, because we can't really communicate that. <laughs> <laughs> and my truth, you know, beats your truth. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a great way for, for a fight, not, <laughs> not for truth-seeking. Yeah. Um, but I, I honestly think every once in a while you have these conversations with, you know, co-workers, mm-hmm. maybe family, extended family, um, dear friends, and you you realise that you don't have the market cornered. We don't always necessarily know absolutely everything. We've been gifted a book that's been passed down through a tradition that is ridiculously tested and investigated and yields some powerful and integral and voracious truths that hold water um, and that challenge our subjective and objective thinking and allows us the opportunity to maybe even witness um, a true meaning of our lives. So there's something wonderful about how I think the Bible often talks about ultimate understanding, ultimate reality. There's lots of things along the way when we're not talking about something on that level that is an ultimate reality. When we're just talking about something more simple like, you know, playing and, Mm. you know, what that can mean for us. And I really, really enjoy hearing that from lots of different folk. And I often learn from people that surprise me, that I wouldn't expect to hear something from. I go, oh, wow, that's... You've you've worked really hard to figure that out too. You went looking for the truth. Mm. Coming from it. Stumbled into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually because I've gravitated towards that person because they're asking the same questions I am. Look at that. (laughs) No longer studying, but still a student. Always. Any thoughts, Nate? Uh, One more time. Uh, on all of the things. Sorry, that was a huge tangent. <laughs> no, that was a great, <laughs> great tangent. That was good. I've told you you should that's write a book, good. didn't 